Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is a deep dive. It's an episode where we really look under the hood of whatever Star Wars car we're looking at. A strange metaphor I did not expect myself to say, but there I did. We're going to be looking under the hood of the High Republic book written by Claudia Gray, Into the Dark. I'm very excited to do that. Also, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
I'm Ken Napsack. I'm bad with cars, but I love looking inside the hoods of Star Wars books. A lot of fun today. Into the dark. <laughs> I got a lot of post-it notes. Whether or not to get all those post, get to those post-it notes um, doesn't matter. But I have a lot of them. Going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you posted it up. I uh, I took a lot of photos of the pages, which I do when there's a good quote. Oh. And oh man, too too many photos. My phone is is very very full. Uh, I'll need to look <laughs> under the hood of that as well. So it's off air, maybe you and I compare notes. I sometimes feel a little behind on the books because I don't get to really read them twice. Like I do a Clone Wars episode where I watch it four times before I talk about it. And I try to make a note in, a, in on, like, on the iPhone, which disrupts, disrupts my rhythm of reading. So sometimes I'm like, ah, I'll come back and make a note. Then I fail to make the note. But you're <laughs> taking pictures. That's smart. That's smart. I get torn between stopping. I do stop a lot to write uh, write notes and questions of like, ooh, how are they going to address this? So I remember that's a question. Uh, but then sometimes it's just like, I cannot be bothered to write down that long quote I like. So then I take a quick photo. <laughs> and then I kick hey. myself later when I have to transcribe it. Anyway, that's Love a little bit too under our hood. So uh, <laughs> let's stop saying under the hood, me, and let's start talking about this book uh we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player there are so many star wars books to choose from but since we're talking about a book today we're going to recommend that one if you want to listen to the audiobook of into the dark by claudia gray you can download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash four center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook. Pause this episode, listen to all of Into the Dark, take notes however you want, and then come back and finish this podcast. Uh, but Ken, we have another offer, right? Yeah, when, when you're done listening to this podcast and, and have all those notes, uh, give yourself the joy of another Star Wars book because we are proud to say that Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Star Wars Galactic Baking, which is coming out May 4th. Fourth, oh, a lot of cool things to cook inspired by the Star Wars galaxy. So check it all out and check out with the code FC35. Excellent. I am looking forward to getting into that galactic baking. And uh, if I try to make uh, any of the dishes, uh, that will be a, an absolute horror show. So maybe I'll make a fun TikTok of me <laughs> just destroying go. some Cloud City marshmallows. So look forward to that. Check that out. FC35 and, of course, audibletrial.com slash four center. But for now, let's get into Into the Dark. We always like to let people know this is full spoilers. As many spoilers as possible. Often we sometimes, often we sometimes, often we talk about the last part of the book first. So full spoilers. But uh, let's start with Ken, uh, Ken with a big picture reaction. What is your big picture reaction to this book? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Uh, what was it? I love it. And I also love that on this particular uh, uh, outline, there's some some of your notes jotted down, and I almost just started reading your notes. Like I almost because I was like, oh, I, oh wait, I didn't write that. Um, and uh, this is great. Uh, so overall, uh, in St Star Wars High Republic Into the Dark, uh, big fan of this. Big fan of what's going on in the High Republic. No secret there. And not surprised that uh, I wouldn't love a Claudia Gray book. Um, Master and Apprentice was was great. It didn't hit me as well as the other three, but she's still just absolutely one of my favorite Star Wars writers because in Master and Apprentice. Um, 
some of the stuff she focused on, the themes, the way she handles the force, uh, the, the actual actions of the force we're going to talk about later. That's one of the things she does just low-key better than almost anything other than just a great storyteller and such a quick read. And and the reason I know I really love this is I got behind on reading this. Um, you and I knew we were going to be covering this about two weeks out. So I started reading it because I wanted to get ahead and do my and make good notes. And then I just couldn't get to it. A lot going on in all of our lives. And I couldn't get to it. And I couldn't get, and I was worried about finishing it, meaning I, I was going to have to do a big sit down on one day and read 300 pages. It was looking like that. Then I, I couldn't, I picked it up again and I just couldn't put it down. It, it moves so fast. Um, uh, you know, I know this is sometimes in the, in the YA genre, which uh, are less words for Ken to stumble on. Um, that's, that's how I also say it. Um, but it was just so fun. It is a fun genre crossing adventure. It was ominous at times and very philosophical. I'm not lying when I say this might be, this keeps in line with a lot of Claudia Gray's uh, uh, books, Bloodlines and the Master Apprentice do come to mind of the post-it notes I have. I might, I just might need to refer to them later on for life reasons, not Star Wars reasons. Like, oh, let me get the philosophy on attachment. Let me get the philosophy on action. Um, that's one of the things I really loved about this as well. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you that there was a, a moment toward the end of the book where Wreath, uh, the, the, I would say main character, uh, although there are a lot of characters, uh, remembers something his master Jorah told him. And I, <laughs> I wanted to like lean into the book and like, uh, Reith, could you say some other things that Jorah told you? Cause that one was real helpful to me today <laughs> here in the real world. Uh, yeah. it's a lot of great, uh, philosophy that really does bra- uh, bring out that idea that, you know, sometimes there's, ooh, there, there's canon uh, uh, consistency in what the Jedi believe, and, and then really reminding you that, yeah, this whole Star Wars thing that Lucas started is, if you want it to be, a way to reflect on your own life and in, in our world and wrestle with who you want to be when you grow up, no matter how old you are. <laughs> and definitely a lot of that. Uh, for me, you know, we've been reading a lot of Star Wars books as uh, the third uh, of the High Republic books, plus some comics. So I was really curious to see like how it would uh, line up, not ranking, but like how would it fit mm. in with the others? And yeah. uh, big fan, obviously, of Claudia Gray. And I just loved the vibe of the book, the mood of the book um, delivered lots of things that I was interested in in this High Republic era, but it really set itself apart for me of just the mood that it was a combination of a haunted house story, except for it's a, you know, uh, a, a space station haunted by evil plants. Uh, it's a little bit of a murder mystery, uh, not quite like straightforward. One person died, but there is a lot yeah. of uh, the first half of the book is a lot of like who did what to who and when and why and why is this happening? So it has a little bit of that uh, appeal of all of these questions being raised and, and you know that you're going to get most of those answers and they're probably going to turn things upside down for the character so it has that that mood that a little bit of that dread um mm. obviously the introduction of the drenger or dringer uh I, I don't know how we're saying that one uh but since uh there appears to be disagreement about marchian or markian i think i'll just <laughs> say dringer however i want um yeah. but they they're to me they are like a kind of body horror um mm-hmm. you know tap into that fear of the the of primal of Plants are alive, but they are different than us. And then, you know, a, a lot of stories that have featured uh, plant creatures, the sort of the body horror of what if I turn into one of them and what it'd be like if your if your uh, limbs were creeping vines. So there's uh, that mood to it. And then uh, there is so much in this book about 
old things that might come back to life. And there's so much knowledge that can come from that, but so much fear that can come from that. You know, that this is, our characters are lost in a world of uh, idols and uh, smugglers code and uh, memories that they want to uh, repress or not deal with. Um, Mm-hmm. The Drenger themselves literally coming back to life. So I loved that overall vibe of spooky, just to put a word to it. Th- this is spooky <laughs> within mm-hmm. Star Wars. And uh, the darkness, you know, obviously the book is called Into the Dark. So that's not a revelation, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. But when you read that, the word dark in Star Wars, sometimes like, cool, the dark side. And this absolutely mm-hmm. deals with the literal, there is a dark side of the force and Jedi mm-hmm. have to wrestle with that. But this book is also so much about death and fear and doubting loved ones uh and darkness comes into this book in many many forms it's not just ooh, will will one of the jedi fall to the dark side you know um yeah yeah i think the, the two other big things for me and my overall loved it um the high republic keeps giving me new jedi characters where i'm like okay well this is great now this is my favorite one and could i please just have 18 books about this jedi uh mm-hmm. But Wreath Silas was huge for me. I, I spent, yeah. I, I felt a, a huge emotional connection to Wreath Silas. Um, this idea of this character who is not naturally gifted at the Force, or at least feels like he isn't. Uh, right. So he tries to compensate by studying hard. Um, he craves uh, knowledge and, and doesn't want adventure because he just loves reading and homework and being prepared and and thinks that you can take care of everything in life if you're prepared and uh i finished actually taking all of my copious notes on this book and then last night uh as i was talking to my wife about it she's like well so how was that book after all and i started describing (laughs) how much Mm -hmm. i liked wreath and i was realizing oh i just prepared for this book review about wreath silas like i was wreath silas I I love that I you know we know each other enough now that I was like this this has got to have a got got uh, got Joseph's interest uh, because he's a spectacular character Um, but uh, a lot of what was there so happy to hear that yeah yeah so definitely personal connection but also just in the ongoing adventure of what the High Republic is like to Mm -hmm. me I feel like one of the big missions one of the things I was excited for and uh, I'm excited that it's panning out is different Jedi with who are really, really individuals who are not in lockstep with one another, who approach things and perceive things in a really different way and are complete whole characters. And I just thought this was a great take of like, of course there's going to be some young studious uh, Jedi who don't crave adventure and or are a little frightened of adventure and just want to stay in those hallowed halls uh, with the comfort of knowledge uh, surrounding them. Yeah. It's just a great take on the Jedi. Uh, Final big picture thing for me Uh, which I was really curious about your take on, I felt like there were bits and pieces of uh, definitely comedy Mm -hmm. in this book, uh, but almost a little bit of Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy flavored comedy. Um, uh, Leox has got a little bit of Zaphod Beeblebrock's energy to me of this, like, Mm -hmm. he's this loose, fun guy with beads. Uh, (laughs) A little bit of a, you know... uh, 70s hey whatever man kind of vibe to him and then just obviously the character of geode a Mm -hmm. mysterious rock creature has been uh like literally the day that this book came out somebody just tweeted geode at me (laughs) who had clearly dived in the book and was excited to share i was like okay i don't know who that is yet 
Uh, <laughs> I don't collect geodes. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, but clearly a, a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. But definitely a ton of comedy, a really different perspective on uh, that kind of continual funny joke of it was obvious what Jihad felt without giving us the audience any sort of way that we could feel that. There's a little meta to it. Yeah. Very, very much felt uh, Hitchhikers influenced. And when I got into that, I I, I don't think uh, he's a, meant to be a comedy character, but I feel like there is a little bit of Arthur Dent in Wreath. In his, yeah. I have to go out into the galaxy and encounter stuff that I would, you know, I'd prefer uh, just being back <laughs> at home uh, doing my basics. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, yeah, no, I um, I love that you, you made this uh, a comparison. I, I think it's it's absolutely there. I, 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 you know, as someone who I don't cosplay much in my life, but the only times I've really done it is either as Pee Wee Herman or Arthur <laughs> Dent. So, <laughs> Love Hitchhikers. I've talked about it often here on the show, but yeah, no, because the, the, the comedy's there. Leox kind of being, as, as Claudia Gray said, like Matthew McConaughey in space definitely goes to Zayfeld, especially to Sam Rockwell's version. And what I think is an underrated version of the story, 2000, the 2005 film, uh, that's definitely there. Um, Aretha's Arthur's a, a very wise. So Aretha's um, even a little, I don't know, Bilbo in the Hobbit films is portrayed by Martin Freeman, who all, by the way, is also Arthur Dent in the <laughs> movie. Um, and then, and I, I just think we should talk about Geode now. I don't want to bury the lead. Yeah. Uh, Geode is one of my favorite things in years in Star Wars. <laughs> and there's apparently uh, some uh, conversation around Geode that's not all positive. I, I'm not plugged into that side of the world. I, um, I'm okay with that. Um but here I'll say this for me, and and, and you you and I have we come from comedy. We we talk we study comedy. We've talked about comedy philosophy and everything. Um, Geode when it first I saw I too I saw some of the photos. Someone tweeted a photo or something before, like uh, it was like a rock and they put it on a figure back. And, and I'm sure Brian Ward will do a better version one day. But <laughs> and I was like, oh, so is there a character in this book that's a rock? And so when when he's introduced and I, you, I, I kind of clicked in, I was like, okay, because it. it you know, no secret. I don't. I puns aren't comedy. Puns are a party trick. And and <laughs> not saying that this is a pun, but it's just like it's a rock, and his name's Geode. And I'm like, okay. the The execution of that concept, which is a wild, crazy, silly concept, the execution of it, the way anytime a character interacts with Geode, it is so smart. It is the opposite of lazy. It is so smart and so just well done when it flows into geode and geodes non-response that says everything makes so much sense and every one of them is just a well-crafted bit but it's not all comedy as, as, as we get to the end of the story with him um i i just absolutely adored it i loved the the big risk taken of it and as you and i you and i love claude in rise of skywalker <laughs> he's got no arms how does he fix the falcon i don't know it's claude uh, I, 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 there's a depth to it. And, and page 33, there's a great description. Geode said nothing and did nothing, uh, which is how um, all of his responses seem to go. But really, it's, they say everything. And I just loved it. So I'll end my rant on Ken, when it comes down to the great Geode debate, sides pro-Geode. Uh, I, th- that is two votes in the camp of pro-Geode. And I love the way you're framing uh, this discussion about what, makes geode work uh mm-hmm. really makes geode work for me uh i i thought of the claude connection as well i think that is a little bit of a tradition in star wars if it's it's fun to have 
fun with the characters who are really, really different. And sometimes like on screen, it can be a silly, like Claude is, is fun. Cause he's, he's a little silly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you go back to somebody like Efont Mon and like, wow, that's just, that's really different. And it's almost silly. And that's what makes it fun. Uh, but then how do you translate that to a, a book is really fascinating because yeah. there's a version for, of this for me where it doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that version is where it's the comedy is played to emphasize the silliness of it. Um, and if you don't have, if you don't approach it from a place of it can be silly, but it also still has to have meaning, mm-hmm. then it just becomes about the author. Then it becomes this exercise that takes you out of the book and it becomes a game of how silly can I make Star Wars? Look what I did. I put a rock in it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have limbs, uh, to, to my knowledge. We don't know how it emotes. We don't know how it moves. We don't know how it uh, touches uh, the actual controls to do the things that it allegedly does. Um, it could just be that, and it would be this uh, silly joke that's like, we've set up a game of how silly can a star Wars character be? Here's my, you know, uh, entry in the game. It, it's a rock. It gets sillier than that. To me, that is not what this character is. What mm-hmm. this character is on a like big symbolic level is using the power of the written word of a book that doesn't have the visual clues of uh, something on screen to force the reader to accept the same thing that the characters are going through, that there are some things that they can't have the answer to. Mm-hmm. You know, w- when you think of like uh, what Reith is going through of like, I can research everything. I can write everything down. And he goes through this journey of having to accept there's some things where you're not going to be able to get the answer until you dive in. And even then you might have to live with doubt And geode mm-hmm. makes us the reader do that. Mm-hmm. But in a really, really fun and uh, interesting way, we have to accept that we can't <laughs> quite understand what Geode is. And the comedy around him becomes really complex because we get the fun of doubting the other characters a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like when the, the when another character looks at Geode and is like, it's Geode said nothing, but it was clear that he agreed with me, you know? Mm-hmm. You, it's, mm-hmm. you, you're invited to have that sense of humor about the joke is, are they right? You know, and it, it, it allows you to doubt the other characters. You know, it's a game that is very much about doubt and accepting mm-hmm. what we don't know rather than a game of just uh, where, where is the silly dial? I turned it to 12. Yeah, look, because some of the greatest <laughs> bits in it is is Geode uh, going off to the club when they're back in Coruscant. <laughs> and of course, because that's hilarious. And it was really funny and well played. But that's earned, the comedy of that is earned by how serious the story takes Geode, by the way. You know, like, like, like it, it's not, Geode's not a joke to anyone there. So every, everyone's interaction with him is, is pretty poignant and pretty purposeful and pretty powerful. Um, and I love it saying, yeah, it, it, there's a reflection on the character. Every beat, um, silence is golden, but but every look of Geode says something, says a purpose. There's a little bit of at times, I don't have all the examples in front of me here, but I see Geode, Geode kind of represents maybe the truth or the right path or what to do. Geode is a rock. Geode is solid. Geode kind of knows how to handle it. 
And there's like, I don't know why I'm drawing a conclusion to this, but like uh, in, in the 2001 uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven, like there's a, it's a, a sound by a lot of people use, but Clooney and, and Pitt and Clooney's like, All right, we have 11. Is that enough? Is that, we need one more? Yeah, yeah, right. We, we need one more. And Brad Pitt never moves. Brad Pitt never talks to him. Brad Pitt eats. And I see Geo to some of that, like all these characters going, what should I do? Is that right? Did I make, make, make right the decision? And they look at Geo. Geo has the answer because you know the answer. And you see it in Geo's face, which is a rock. <laughs> and there's a lot of moments like that that work for me too. I think, I think that, I hope that ties into what you're saying about the doubt too. If just like, we, we are questioning the elements of the story and Geo's there to let us know the right way forward, or hopefully you can find the right way forward. So therefore it's very serious and the, perhaps the most silliest thing in Star Wars. Yeah. I love that. And I think there is almost, uh, without making it literal wordplay, there is wordplay mm-hmm. there to the character of like, yeah, he's a rock. He's, you know, he's there for people, you know, he's got a little bit of R2 energy of like, you know, he's the person that you can bounce something off of and realize what you actually think, because maybe you're putting it on geode, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, R2 and geode party. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you were hinting at, I think all of that works uh, because Geo does take a big concrete, super important concrete. I didn't even mean that. Uh, a big, uh, solid, <laughs> a, a, a solid action. He takes a solid action when he blocks Wreath from flying out to space. It's just, to you and I, puns are poison in our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when you didn't mean to make them, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to say this without making a pun, but I can't find a way. I'm so glad that you just brought Geode into the conversation because Geode demands to be addressed. He is literally uh, not an elephant in the room, but a rock in the middle of the room who needs to be addressed. Uh, I love him. Uh, It's like, Geode, are you a main character of the story? Geode's look told me everything I needed. <laughs> exactly. Geode is now going to be the, uh, the, the Star Wars character that I answer when people are like, uh, who from the Star Wars galaxy would you like to have on a podcast as a guest? Geode. Geode. Confirm what I already think. Uh, let's talk about the other big introduction in this book, uh, the Drenger, Drenger. How do you choose to say it? I think I say Drengear, um, but also, you know, it's those videos. They've got great videos from Star Wars uh, YouTube kind of explaining the characters and giving you a little minute and a half kind of visual too. Um, uh, really works for me, but uh, they've, they've said Marchion and, and uh, um, Charles soul says Marchion. So I'm, I, they say Drengear. I'm going to say Drengear. Nice. Let's just go for it. Whatever we say is fine. How did you feel about this introduction to this other big new villain? I, I think I've kept, maybe kept a secret to myself more than anything. And I'm thinking when we talked about it on the show before uh, we always try to, spin things in a, in a, in a, in a, if not a positive direction, but of a, Hey, let me just see what's coming and, and engage with what's presented to me. It's something that's big to us. This is an example on paper. The idea to me, uh, similar to geode, um, the idea of plant like villains, uh, you know, are they a species? Are they plants? Are they sentient? Um, uh, I've seen comparisons to little shop of horrors or something. Feed me, see more, all those kind of things. Um, I don't know if that would have worked for me. I don't, I was a little dubious going in. I, I was worried about it, but, um, but something happened to me because you get right away, you get to, whether you, 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 you kind of had a sense this was the book they were coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not even spoilers. You just got a sense and some of the promotional stuff and everything. You're like, okay, okay. It, it's this book. It's this book. Um, the moment they go to that station, the, the, the space station, um, 
that uh, you and I you know now know is, was the one featured in the Kylo Ren comic uh, with Snoke and his hair on that planet, on that little space station. Um, a dread came over me. And suddenly they, without even having yet to meet them, I don't know, they represented something, like you said, ancient, something dark. And we didn't, at the, at the beginning of the book, you don't fully know. But then it real, I realized it was probably going to work more than I thought it would for me. And in the hands of Claudia Gray, I thought it was handled really well. Are they over the top? Yes. Like Geode, I think they're very over the top. But but there's a mysterious menacing to them. And there's something so different about them. And they represent, you know, you you, you always bring up so well of organ, organic versus mechanical in Star Wars. and da, da, da. Well, here you got the Jedi fighting something so organic but representing uh, uh, darkness, representing something uh, dangerous and different. So it, it worked. I, you know, could they work on the big screen? I, I'm not sure yet. From, from my point of view, I'm not sure yet. Big talk and plan on the big screen? I don't know. If Claude worked in Rise of Skywalker for me, maybe this will work. <laughs> um, but they were very effective uh, here to, to help with uh, the darkness tones and the big themes behind that. So at the end of the day, I come down positive on the side. Oh, that's great! I'm glad that the uh, the horrible, terrifying uh, plant monsters won you over and, and weren't uh, weren't too uh, silly for you. Yeah. No. Again, I, do I again do I think they're over the top in a way? Yeah. The big meat and all this kind. Of, yeah. Sure. But guess what? Have you seen Star Wars? <laughs> yeah. I I think for me they uh, I love them because they yeah. were what I wanted them to be, and I think sometimes mm-hmm. we talk a lot about like don't let your expectations, uh, you know poison how you see what was actually in in front of you uh, mm-hmm. and then sometimes i think you get the reward of you're thinking like "Ooh, is this where they're going and then they do and that's great too and one of the one of the joys of of speculating uh i love that they are a different approach to the dark side right that yeah we've mostly spent time uh, in star wars with people who approach the dark side as the sith or the night sisters um who are really self-aware characters who are a part of the dark side for them is uh, their philosophy or their trickery or their, you know, big long-term goals or even getting that, you know, as a villain with uh, Marchion Rowe. Uh, mm-hmm. These characters are the dark side just as hunger and anger, you know, mm-hmm. just as something primal. So for me, they really work on that um, big picture. I, what, what is what is their symbolism? Why are they here? They're an ancient mm-hmm. thing that doesn't even think... Uh, the other characters are sentient. They're just not even sentient. It doesn't really matter that they, they don't, they're not even considering like, should we, uh, should we form an alliance with them? You know, how do we manipulate them? They're, they're just like, you don't matter. I'm going to eat you. And I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, even yeah. to the point where they're like, they're clearly listening to Reith because they want information, uh, but they don't acknowledge him. They, it, they're just hunger and anger that thinks I... anything less than them is meat to be eaten. You talk, I loved, and that might have been something I really just started to really get one over. And I, again, the dread from the beginning, me being afraid of of of, of plant creatures yet to uh, see, I've yet to see uh, is 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 a is a indication that I liked them. But uh, I love when Wreath is like telling them things, and they're reacting to Wreath by not even acknowledging him. <laughs> it was pretty powerful for me. It was frustrating in a way. It's like so Wreath couldn't. There was there was no negotiation to happen, right? There was no, there was nothing could stop him. And I love, and, and this might be breaking it down to almost maybe too literal, but like, I love that for, for a large portion of the book, they represent a darkness that, uh, you know, you touched up a little bit, but a darkness that none of our characters could see. 
a darkness that they did not know how to face because they did not know how to see it. They did not know what they were interacting with. It's plants. Yeah. And, and I love that to break it down to that level so to fit into the theme of this book, Into the Dark, and the idea of sometimes the darkness is um, you know within us, but in the sense of just like you might be thinking you're fighting one thing, but really uh, this is where this is at. And I, there was something about that I, I connected to as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think they work really well for our, our characters' journeys, uh, Reith in particular, who needs to accept that knowledge is valuable, but sometimes you need to learn that through experience. There was such a great uh, representation mm -hmm. of that, that the Jedi did fare better against them as they uh, did some uh, learning on the job <laughs> and mm -hmm. noticed mm -hmm. more about them. So there certainly was a validation of knowledge, uh, but there was also this acceptance that there's no... you you. The, the history on these characters for now is unknown. It's lost. And if yeah. you want to learn more about the Drenger, you have to let them try to eat you <laughs> and yeah, find yeah. a way to not actually be consumed by their horrific maws um, in whatever way that they're going to do that. Uh, the other thing I want to touch on with the, the Drenger for me, since you brought it up, is um, uh, the are they too over the top? Are they too pulpy? Are they too, you know, uh, B-movie? Um for me, they are they are this perfect point where Star Wars and Doctor Who overlap. That mm -hmm. Star Wars and Doctor Who, uh, and, and for Doctor Who, a part of it is that in the classic series in particular, they had a, a limited budget and a huge imagination. And they just yeah. tried to make things happen. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't, and sometimes it was silly. Uh, but in both Doctor Who and Star Wars, I love the energy of the unapologetic yes we love adventure serials yes we love uh pulp uh stories we love things that are over the top in such a way that's a part of the joy of it and the drenger are so embracing that to me um and you know it, it can become a conversation where uh you know you want star wars to be cool you want you, you just yeah. want it to be vader and his cool armor with his red blade and and you can em em embrace the coolness of it and then there's a parts of star wars that pull you back and go like no man it's it's uh it's space wizards in robes and you know mm. they visit planets that only have uh, one season <laughs> you know yeah. and almost anything that you can encounter could be a big creature with a mouth trying to eat you it's fantasy it's dragons it's yeah. all this weirdness and i love that the the drenger are just a like we are not holding back. They are an expression of the love of the B-movie pulp fantasy side of Star Wars. Yeah, it's funny. When you wrote Hitchhikers, like, um, you know, there's like a whole planet of uh, unused mattresses, uh, discarded mattresses in, Hitch in the Hitchhikers world. And that's one of my favorite things. Um, so for there to be a rock and some killer plants, um, not only is it just George Lucas is probably like, yeah, that's that's what I wanted Star Wars to be. <laughs> um, but I guess it's like a planet of uh, of of sentient plants that just want to open up an uh, an industrial complex that would destroy them, but they didn't. They're not aware. Like you can see, I could see Arthur and Ford running into them. Um, and so there's something about it. again, yeah. Again, when I say it's over the top, I I I stand behind. Yeah, it is over the top, and 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 that's part of this adventure, part of this journey, and it's a. Um, you know, and that's someone who loves, I love watching the, the rebellion against the empire and I love ships fighting and I love imperial officers scowling. I love all that. And that's kind of what I lean to sometimes. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's fun to also remember there was a giant slug and his little monkey lizard pet and <laughs> a, a hole in the ground. And that's also what pulled me in as a kid too. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, movies like Rogue One will kind of lean a little bit more toward uh, it's all practical. We got the blasters yeah. and all that uh, in ships. And then sometimes you just go all the way into a the random Sarlacc mouth and <laughs> of pulp. <laughs> and I think uh, the Drenger do, and I love it. Uh, or, or, so, sometimes, or, or sometimes you just yell, Borgullet. And then there you go. You're exactly. Fixed. You just get your little bit of Borgullet. That's your little bit of utterly unexplained weirdness and uh, the strange implication uh, that Sagrera is <laughs> communing with the Borgullet for some reason. Anyway, a anyway. different podcast. Uh, so this is our third High Republic book, you know, plus several comic book issues. Is, is, did this book still feel like an intro to the era or did it feel like we were moving on from introduction into yeah. something different? Great question. Great question. I, I wrote uh, a real strong, very just decided sort of. Yes, in theory, it's still an intro, but this definitely felt like its own story, just like I, I felt uh, um, uh, the uh, Test of Courage. A Test of Courage was its own story, but they're definitely connected. But this one, I almost feel you could you could have read this one first instead of Light of the Jedi. I, I still wouldn't suggest that. But because to me, this is this is the point of the story, right? The characters are experiencing the the effects of an incident they don't fully understand yet. The Great Disaster. The Nile, they don't fully understand it. The space station itself, they don't fully understand. The Drengear, you know, Wreath is like, they came from their home world. Or I think that was their home world. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's all mystery. It's literally going into the dark in so many ways. So you almost could read this. It's like a cold open or something. You're like, what's going on? And then you pull out to the bigger picture of the light, light of the Jedi. So that way, this one felt less like a straight ahead intro, um, but it's still part of it. So that's why I say sort of. Light of the Jedi was the outline and we're just playing in the moments of that outline now. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I agree with all that. And I think Light of the Jedi is so much like this big introduction where the characters do have to wrestle with who are the Nile? What is the great disaster? Let's handle the big things. And then uh, a mm -hmm. test of courage is a great, I just think uh, youthful uh, perspective on that of mm -hmm. what's it going to be like for younger people to go through this, uh, this uh, turbulent time. Uh, but then there was something a little bit different about this. I think it was because it is almost uh, this great balance to light of the Jedi where it was wrestling with the like, yeah, and there's some things we're not going to be able to figure out and some things are going to be even more horrible than we imagined. It also just felt like it was uh, really adding something because of introducing the Drenger and in, in, yeah. in what they represent. So I think that made it feel to me like, yeah, we're still in this uh, first round of stories where all stories uh, end up at the Starlight Beacon, but this one felt like it was taking a different route to get there. And I also think I was really impacted and it worked well to be you know, reading this book liking Wreath Silas right away, being reintroduced to Jorah Molly and remembering how much I like her and then realizing when in this book is Wreath going to find out what I know that his master is dead, you know, mm -hmm. and died quickly and, and horribly. Mm. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, there was some, it was, it's effective. It's effective. That's why, you know, obviously Legend is a great place to start because it's really effective. And, and can you separate these all from, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you, you need to be able to read these books at first by accident and still not feel lost. But that was really effective with everything. When you're kind of like, you have those answers and you can't give them to them just on a, on a bookworm sitting on a, on a couch, reading a book on a Saturday, you, you're yelling, Wreath, here's the story. And you can't, I, I, it was really effective. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I, I was, I felt bad for poor Wreath uh, and myself because I really like Jorah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, 
So that's just, you know, that's just our overview. We had to talk about Geode. We had to talk about Dringer. Uh, but let's get into what we feel like are the big ideas, uh, the themes of this book. Uh, I, I try to write them out and, and capture what I think is going on so then uh, we mm-hmm. can dig into the different aspects that spoke to us. I thought for me, you know, it's really straightforward with the title Into the Dark that this book really was about characters going through dark trials Obviously, any good story, the characters go through conflicts, but these were things where they were sort of being plunged into the dark, literal dark worlds and uh, sort of the dark places of their soul. And in particular, this idea of discovering something they didn't know within that darkness, uh, and that is, again, both philosophical in this book and really powerfully literal uh within the plot um so a a couple of kind of beats that that support this view and then we can dive in love on page 26 a great spin on on just a young adult book that we've been spending time with wreath he is not happy about going to the frontier he looks at all the other older characters uh, particularly the jedi and, and thinks well when i am a full jedi not a padawan i'll be confident like everybody else and then we go into their minds and realize they're all full of anxieties and they will uh-huh. also be going into the dark is just a great way to kick it off of this uh-huh. isn't just this one young adult wreath silas's journey into the dark this is all of these characters uh, mm-hmm. So then, of course, we follow Wreath facing unwanted change, uh, trying to figure out what uh, adventure is versus the comfort of study and knowledge. It, he has to cope with the death of uh, Jorah Mali. Uh, we learn that uh, Comac Vitus has to face this desire he has to embrace loss, to be allowed to mourn, to maybe be even be angry in contrast to what the Jedi Order teaches. We learn, learn that Orla uh, Drani has this desire to follow her instinctual connection to the Force, even when that goes against Jedi teachings. Uh, we learn that uh, Dez uh, uh, Raiden is facing his uh, selfish desire for adventure and how that can kind of dabble with the dark side uh, and finding the, the balance that his master Jorah tried to teach him. Uh, we learn that uh, Afi, uh, the young woman who is uh, the daughter of the owner of the Bind Guild and uh, the co-pilot of the vessel, the ship, the vessel called the vessel. Uh, we mm. learn that she is facing this horror of uh, realizing that her adoptive mother indentured and partially caused the death of her biological parents. And then a big, big picture thing for me, Ken, I really kind of wrestled with as I was reading this book and enjoying everything going like, what is the structure? What are, what's the story? What are we doing here? And to me, it all snaps utterly into place in the middle of the book when all of our characters have the revelation that something that spoke to their journey, some hidden horror, is what was truly on the station. Uh, the Nile, the Drenger, uh, and the evidence of the Bind Guild's crimes. They all have that great we have to go back into the darkness because we realize what was really haunting us there. And that's to me when the book like just utterly snapped into place. It's so funny. Cause I, I noted that in, in a little more detail a little bit later on and in, in, in some of the themes we got planned to discuss here, but it all is it all, it's all connected. That was a great moment. It is. You can make the jokes about, we must go back to the Island, but uh, it's so powerful. And that's, uh, I was really, dare I say excited that they had to go face their uh, uh, demons, literally maybe. 
Yeah, and it just it tracks so well with the the these discussions about knowledge versus adventure. Like they they mm-hmm. had just enough knowledge to know they had to go back and and have the adventure of facing these horrors. Uh, so overall, for you, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this general uh, theme of dark trials and discoveries. Was that a, an effective overall idea for you in this book? Yeah, yeah, it was, and I, and I think uh, I have uh, one of calling a, a, a micro focus version of, of what this theme is. I'd almost, uh, and not that you intend, intended this to be the, the way of the themes, but I'd flip it in, in, in conversation to say discoveries that could potentially lead to dark trials. Mm. Uh, and, and here's where I, I really focused on a lot of this book is the student. I'm saying the general term, uh, just student, younger person, whatever you want to say, uh, seeing their teachers, their mentors, uh, at times they're, they're leaders, you could even say, but uh, seeing their teachers in different lights. And it's not just as simple to me, uh, uh, they were wrong and now I'm right. It isn't that. It's, it's, to me, this is, again, this is a YA book. It's an analysis of growing up, becoming yourself, learning what you truly take from your upbringing. And, and I, I've talk, we talked about recently in Clone Wars, if just sometimes you can challenge yourself, grow, change, and completely go a different direction, which is, which is good. Or sometimes you can confirm in a way what you feel and maybe it's a different way and maybe it's your own version of it and on, on page you, you mentioned page 26 you got the wreath stuff you got this great stuff with with orla i'm, I'm taking a little bit of the quote uh breaking it up a, a little bit but she says go back to the origins of it all then you then you'll know whether you made the right decision and i see a lot of the discoveries uh in this book of characters going back to to some of the origins of of uh their big points in life and, and wondering and challenging themselves on, did I make the right decision? And some make different decisions. Some confirm themselves um, and uh, they grow and all those kind of things. So these are discoveries that to me, you can only confirm those discoveries after you go through a little trial with it, I think. And I'm not just doing a play on words, but, um, and I love that because every one of these characters you mentioned has, has to question themselves just as much as their teachers. And I, I, I connected with that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to, to frame what this book is about that uh that unlike uh, what we were talking about with geode being uh, a rock literally and metaphorically that everybody lost whatever or was in in risk of losing whatever grounded them you know whatever they could cling to whether it be like the literal death of a master or with affy the the betrayal of a parent with uh, orla and um, Comac, the order not working for them, the order not giving them what they need. You know, with Wreath, I think it's the literal loss of Jorah, but it's also the loss of Coruscant and uh, the comfort of being pre-prepared for everything because you can study for everything. But all of them, to me, go to the heart of, of what you're talking about, of that feeling of I've got this far in life because I could have this to cling to, whether it's a set of rules or a person or my worldview. And now just something's eating it away from the inside and I have to figure out how to move forward. Yeah. And that it's okay to move forward, that it's okay to to change or it's okay. I think, I think uh, uh, we got the, the two main Jedi here, uh, Comac and, and Orla, go through a shared trauma, shared things, and, and and they end up in different spots, right? But it's both right for them. Similar to we, you and I, again, we're talking about the deserter. I'm not, it's not directly connected to that Clone Wars episode, but that same type of thing, this book deals with that. Uh, um, it, it has some harsh questioning of the Jedi Order, which is part of what I'm interested to see the High Republic continue to do, you know, but um, it doesn't throw it all out into the fire. 
it, it asks tough questions. And, and in doing that, it, it's, it's, I related to a little bit of it uh, with, with, with um, uh, just who, to me, and this is a little bit to, to your follow-up question of, of uh, the particular character's trials or discoveries. I love that he starts this book out, the story out as a, as a certain view of himself. And when that, he loses all of that, he discovers that he actually, he, who he is can line up with what he feels he can't be, which is uh, the dashing adventurous Jedi. And there's a lot of lessons about adventure and Jedi craving that, but you know what I mean? Like Des is kind of a poster child. And I don't know if Reith feels, he feels that his way is the wrong way in a way, you know, he feels a little scared too, but I like at the end of the day, all who he is makes him that kind of Jedi as well, if that makes sense. And he discovers that through this, these trials too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love the way the the script gets uh, flipped on that of he doesn't perceive it in these critical moments. He he just does what he needs to do. There are moments where he perceives it as as adventure and doesn't like it, which I get great yeah. comedy and great uh, character development for that. But, you know, he doesn't he's not thinking about how can I wreath Silas rescue uh, Des Ryden, the the you know, superior Padawan uh, to my master, who all of my uh, friends and contemporaries think is a rock star. All that is out the window and he's just rescuing him because it's what yeah. he's supposed to do. You know, I, right. I, I really yeah. love that. Um, it shows Reith's growth. Yeah. There's a great line on, on page nine adventure. It's usually a euphemism for going to places that have lots of bugs. I'm with you, Reith. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for me, um, I think part of the reason all these dark trials and discoveries and in the loss of the the foundation uh, of knowledge that we're talking about are really powerful to me because the High Republic is dealing with this idea of let's go out to the frontier. And mm-hmm. Reith is really literal about it of like, I have to go out to places I can't pre-study for. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just a great way. This is a great way to take that era, that idea of the Jedi are trying to bring their light out into a place that they don't know is well and internalize that. Everything mm-hmm. is about, you know, without being too cute about it, like people are going into the dark frontiers of their soul and it makes us feel that fear of going into the unknown really, really mm-hmm. well. So I think that's why this idea really, really resonated with me is because it was a great way to internalize uh the fear that's going to be present in the high Republic era for the Jedi. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that question, right? What do the Jedi fear? Uh, that's what they were trying to answer with this series and a uh, lot in here to play with. A lot to be afraid of. Uh, yeah. And did you relate to any other particular characters, trial or discovery, or were you most drawn to wreath? Who were you drawn to? I, uh, geode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, there's a lot there uh, with Leox. I do like it. And, you know, he's, a, again, the Matthew McConaughey type. All right, all right, all right. Um, he's a, he's someone who maybe has a little bit more knowledge of what, quote, the world actually is. And But he's trying to, he's not, he, he, he's not no longer trying to protect Affy, um, trying to grow into, he's trying to be part of it, trying to change. Um, I, there's a lot about him I liked. Um hmm. I I did like um, whether or not I was completely drawn to him as a character. Comac Vitus is just a great, there's a lot in there about between him and Orla. So, you know, it's funny. I've changed. I'm, I might be a little bit more with Orla. There's a lot about her and instinct uh, and some stuff I pulled that um, I relate to a lot. I am, 
I am sometimes not the opposite of wreath. I mean, you know, from working with me over the years, it's like, I have to really be like, oh, let's just press record and go versus <laughs> and that. And that sometimes I'll talk myself into a corner despite years of broadcasting. And I lean on, you know, I got, I got years of broadcasting experience. Let's just go. And I have to fight against that nature. Whereas Reed's kind of almost the other direction. So Orla has a little bit of this, this, this really going into your instincts and listen to your instincts and letting your, those instincts guide you while also being, um, uh, you know, being who you are. So anyways, I'm, I'm getting down my own personal life journey and why I'm kicking my butts a little bit more these days on, on with po- podcasting. But, um, so I'll, I'll connect with that. Comac, what I was trying to go with, uh, with Comac is, um, the the attachment stuff and the anger and the openness and acknowledging of them, all the emotions, it, it it opens up these wonderful conversations about balance. And the book has a ton about that. And that is something in, I think in real life too, I, I am a big believer as someone who's, who's fought and battled depression for years of, 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 of acknowledging it. Uh, and sometimes knowing that it's going to win the day. And when you even acknowledge that it makes tomorrow better sometimes and just, and not being afraid of it, not dance, you know, sometimes you, you need to dance with the devil by the pale moonlight to, to know what it is. And, and I don't necessarily feel that suddenly means a Jedi can turn to the dark side of the force and be okay. It doesn't change my core beliefs in Jedi philosophy, but he asks some really good questions in this book that I, uh, that I don't even know all the answers to. I just love that they've been asked. Yeah, I, I think Comac's stuff and Orla's stuff is both both really uh, powerful in, in, for me personally. Uh, that always that question of whether to follow instincts or uh, or listen to sort of like the teachings, even when your instincts are like, ah, but I should go over here. Uh, yeah, when to do yeah. that? That's really powerful for me. I I, I think um, I think in life uh, it is a balance between uh, knowledge and, and instinct. Uh, and I think particularly in art, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, there are a million uh, rules about what you should and shouldn't do in writing, what you should and shouldn't do in, in good podcasting, you know. But then a lot of times the beauty is when comes when you stop listening to the rules and just follow your gut. So there, there's a lot of, uh, of power there. Uh, the Comac stuff is really powerful for me, um, almost canon wise. It, it goes back to the great discussions we've had about the way Yoda handles Anakin's questions in revenge of the Sith, that yeah, yeah. to me, the core of what Yoda is saying is coming from a good, good place of like, we know this is how people fall uh, to the dark side. We know you need to get to that place of peace. Um, but it, you know, there's a part of me like, you know, if Comac could have talked to Anakin, I think he could have helped him more because it's not yeah, yeah. one size fits all. And Anakin's passionate mm-hmm. and he needs to, you know, like you're saying, sometimes I need to, to, you know, just say, hey, uh, uh, I'm sorry to uh, my wife and say, uh, I just need to be upset today. And then tomorrow I'll be I'll be better. And it almost like that's some Comex argument of like how much anger and grief can I let in and still be safe? Yeah. I don't really know because nobody's let me. And would that have made mm-hmm. a difference to somebody like Anakin if somebody like Comex had said, it's okay. Let the grief in rage. You know, I know the Jedi tell you not to, but you know, punch a wall. And if you continue <laughs> to feel that way, then, then we're in trouble, but yeah, embrace it and, and see if that's what you need. You know, that stuff's all really intriguing to me. Oh yeah. A lot of it there. A lot of it there. Yeah. Uh, I won't go on and on about wreath cause we'll have plenty of other opportunities, uh, in our, in our review. Uh, but I just, I liked so much that there was comedy and depth from his journey. I pulled a couple quotes. Uh, this one is from page 149. Uh, he's worrying about keeping control over the station and the idols. 
and he says uh, about uh, some of the pirate types on the station. But if they stole one of the ancient idols, they'd just sell it for the precious metals or jewels without even bothering to study it. Sacrilege. <laughs> this is some great comedy. Uh, I have worked for uh, historical societies. I think preservation yeah. and study is really important so that that really spoke to me in both a comedy way and a sincere way. Uh, the other quote for me that was kind of the, the other end of Ruth's journey is uh, when he is in the pod and he doesn't yet know where it's heading. He says, this is very, very bad. This is what happens when you don't have access to research materials, <laughs> which is yes, yes. again, a great joke, but it gets to the heart of adventure versus yeah. comfort or, uh, you know, uh, Learning by reading versus learning by doing a thing that we all have to find uh, balance in of accepting that, you know, there are some things you can prepare for. And there are great moments where he has victory because he studied the Maxine culture and he can figure out how the controls work because he did the homework. And then there are other moments where like you, something is happening to you that you can't study for. There are things you can't study for. and. Uh, I think it, that speaks to me because I think it is, speaks to my own personality divide. But I also mm. just think uh, it's a duality that I don't think we talk about as, as much, this push-pull between adventure versus comfort of, mm. you know, there's the joy of experiencing what you know of, you know, sitting on a couch with a loved one and watching a favorite TV show for the fifth time. We yeah. crave that, but then we also crave pushing ourselves to the limit, you know, going someplace we've never done and doing something we haven't done before. And I think it's really important uh, uh, to recognize that both of those instincts are there. Both of those instincts are valid. And how do we balance them? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I agree with Darren on that one there too. Uh, instinct uh, for pre- preparation, the balance of it. Um, yeah. 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 How much of the podcast do we write down ahead of time <laughs> and how much do we wing? Uh, let's move on to another big idea. And that to me is just the power of stories themselves and the ancient. It, it comes up again and again in the book. This this idea that Reith loves archives and he's great at study. Uh, Comac is a folklorist. Uh, he's got that great quote I didn't actually write down about like uh, that he wants to hear uh, the the darker fables that uh, people have, not the stories where they turn themselves into heroes, but the darker ones where they're wrestling with something they can't speak about. Uh, right. You've got just the ancient text on the idols. You have the the secret smuggler's codes uh, on the station that Afi is trying to decode. Uh, even in that flashback uh, to uh, Orla and Comac's adventure on the moon, uh, there's the cave painting of snakes that they don't pay attention to, and then they get attacked by a giant serpent. Uh, you got the the Sith shrine underneath the Jedi temples. Uh, you got you know reading old fables about the Maxine warriors. Uh, the Maxine station and the Drenjar themselves are old threats coming back to life. Um, you got this ultimate conclusion from Wreath that adventures are necessary to write new stories. So he kind of comes full circle, mm-hmm. like oh. I can, if I learn new things, I can write them down so some kid like me sometime can go, good, somebody wrote this down. But there's yeah. so much there that is about the power of the ancient and the power of the written word. Uh, what, what's, what are your feelings on that? What do you think that inherent fascination with old stories half forgotten, what's that about to you? 
it, it's uh, it's a it's amazing to study what was, and it's fascinating to deal with it in this quote old story that's two hundred years before like uh, the, the era that we all grew up with. Like so, it's like yeah, that era is studying this era, which is studying another one. There, uh, I I love looking back the idea of any kind of warnings, any kind of uh, history repeating itself, and and can you study societies and and, and learn a better way to handle things now. Um, I, I love, I'm a student of history and, and that also means you uncover hard truths and how do you deal with that? And, and, and you can't go back and change what was, but you are here now. And what can you learn from that? And, and how does it all, um, how does it all matter? And, and, and how history is to me is living. It is this living, we are in it now. And, and I love these characters in these, uh, in these stories. I think, studying it's always the potential of like afra afra dr afra going around and, and looking at the past sometimes i wish they dig even more into her archaeology side uh and so we can uncover a lot of things and see how it how it applies to star wars now so there's something just it's fascinating again to, to, to see these characters of old times look even beyond to the older times in star wars i, I love the I love the use of it yeah, yeah. Uh, I love everything you're saying. Uh, for me, I think it, this is one of the central parts of Star Wars that I've always loved. I think that, you know, I think of uh, Obi-Wan. That's not a name. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time, long time. And that little mysterious thrill or trill, you know, in the music that's right there. It's always to me been a part of Star Wars that this idea that there is always a past to be discovered that could at any moment explode into the present, something that you thought was long buried, long forgotten, might explode into the present. Uh, there's something dreamlike about it. Like it's, I've just, I've only heard a little bit of this, or I've only mm-hmm. read a little bit of this, but I think it's real, and I think it might matter. Uh, it, 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 I think it taps into this feeling uh, that I think humans have that is almost intuitive, that can be supplemented through actually studying uh, history. This idea that we've been here for a long time and we're mm. we're luminous beings that have connections to long 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 ago uh, events you know mm. and it, it really it strangely centers you in the present because you're you're reflecting on the fact that you're vaguely attached to mysterious things from long long ago and they might reemerge at any time uh but there's also this acceptance that Hey, if something from the past is buried and forgotten, <laughs> that's probably going to happen to me. All things are buried by time, and it—it's it, you can mm-hmm. go in lots of different directions with it. But I think it just this feeling of ancient stories and things from the past is just it, it explosive in how deep it can go in just a, a visceral level. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Break out the history books, kid. kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you feel about this idea that uh, stories can only prepare you for adventure to a certain extent? Do you like that? Do you push against that? Do you want to believe that you can prepare for anything by reading a book or watching a YouTube video? I think it goes back to instinct. Sometimes you got to throw those playbooks out. Uh, I love the idea. I think it's on page uh, 138. I get the notes here. Uh, they got Comac trying to figure some stuff out, and that's uh, around uh, trying to get knowledge from things from the past, and it's uh, not really working. And Orla thinks, let's give instinct a try. And I think that's kind of where I come down on it. I, I think it's good to be prepared. Wreath gets rewarded for it, but also you're out and about. Um, so, uh, so I love that. Uh, I love that there. And, 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 uh, that's why I think it's important to study, but also important to go forward. Yeah. I, I, I think I would have kind of come to that, uh, myself just, uh, instinctively because I like to follow intuition, but I also like to make lots of notes about star Wars books. Uh, <laughs> 
But I always remember I had this back and forth over years uh, between two different people in my life that I looked up to and thought a lot of uh, when I was first starting improv. Uh, I was at this guy's house who had been doing improv, you know, for years. And at that point it was like four years. Wow. <laughs> Cause we were both quite young. Yeah. Uh, but he had a book on improv and I was just starting. I was like, Oh, can I borrow that? And he's like, sure. But it's like reading about skiing. You can't really learn anything from it. You have to do improv. Uh, and that kind of lodged in my brain of like, Oh yeah, there's some things you have to experience. Yeah. And then I related that story to uh, another friend years and years later who I look up to, who is, who is extremely well read and, and knows history extremely well. And he's like, that's an awful statement. That's an attack on knowledge. <laughs> and I thought from like for myself, these two bits of wisdom from these two, two friends that I, that I respect and look up to is like, for me, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah, you could learn a lot by reading about improv and that is absolutely to be respected and valued, but you also will learn a lot by doing it, you know? Yeah. And then, and then I think almost kind of keeping with the theme of, of uh, this book or part of the theme, one of the themes I connected to of, of finding uh, the right way for you. Uh, and that's why it's questioning or, or at least uh, diving into what you were taught or how you learned to do things and finding the right way forward. Uh, I'm someone who needs to occasionally make some more notes, but if I adhere to it too much, uh, uh, my effectiveness as a communicator sometimes is gone because I'm, I, I go by the heart, I go by instinct and I got to find the right way where I, you know, I've done some even podcasts with, with, uh, my girlfriend, Grace, who, who is an actor who, who, who breakdowns every word she says in a script uh, and needs to know those words in order to break it down a little more effectively. And that's her path. And, and so we have to find the find that way together. And I think that's part of what this book is is, is doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other uh, uh, theme, I guess, that struck me that I don't, we don't need to spend a, a ton of time on, I, but I wanted to bring up is uh, bondage. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, a weird thing to just shout out on a Star Wars podcast, bondage. But I, I was affected by how much that, you know, the story was about these idols uh, that were binding something. I mean, it turns out the Drenger, who were bound, uh, all of the, the flashbacks, uh, to uh, Orla and Comac's adventure were all about these these two literal captives. Uh, Afi's journey uh, becomes about the realization that there are indentured servants, which is a sort of, you know, uh, bondage. Mm -hmm. uh, I even felt like what Comac was in Orla were wrestling with was a feeling a little overly bound by the Jedi rules. Um, mm -hmm. Did that affect you? How, do, how does that add to the book to you, if you agree that that theme is there? Um, I so this is where I'll bring in the point we brought up earlier about Discovery's Dark Trials and them having to go back to the island. This is what is really the idea of you talk about bondage and, and rules and, and having to face things. And, and they, they were almost bonded to everything going on uh, there. They couldn't escape it. So it was really effective that they all had to go back to the station. Then then it felt like trying to break away from the things that bind you. And, mm. and, and, and I, I really reacted to that. Um, and as far as the, the, uh, Jedi, excuse me, as I flip pages, there's, uh, the idea of, um, of balance, uh, and, and, and does the Jedi order have you trapped? I, I think there's, uh, Comex got some great stuff on, um, how, you know, the Jedi to break the divide the force in two is almost kind of this act of, of violence. Uh, and how do we justify that act? Uh, and then, but later on there was uh, something I was moved by. Uh, of uh, it's okay to question the Jedi Order. It's just how you question it. Mm. Uh, it's something that I was really. Uh, you can disagree with the council. It just matters how you disagree. Uh, and 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 I love kind of looking at that and how it, when dealing with you talk about the Jedi rules. I, I don't know if 
Orla might have been a little bit more trapped by it, whereas I think at the end of the book, Comac is not, but he's also questioning a lot of it. And so he's not in bondage to the Jedi rules, where she might feel like, if I stay, I am. We all have to make our own choices. And and I think that was there too. So yeah, it all gets really effective when everyone has to go back and face the things that kind of keep them uh, uh, bonded and, and, and tied up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either literally or metaphorically. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was really affected by that when I felt like, wow, that kind of image, that feeling keeps popping up to me. I, I think it's in a way that this book uh, uh, really expressing a vision of the dark side that, you know, uh, we're looking for new villains for our cool Jedi to fight. And, you know, that always means an idea, you know, what is something that is truly feels wrong. And I think that feeling of being, you know, held and contained, uh, you know, is something that feels unnatural and uncomfortable and seeing that be, uh, the thing that the Jedi are trying to resolve, both literally from rescuing captives or dealing with what was contained by the idols. And then as you're uh, pointing out so well, uh, dealing with within themselves, what is holding me back? What is making me feel trapped? I need to make that go away is I think part of what made this book really feel like it's this trip into this utter darkness. And then for most of them out the other side. Yeah. The, 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 the long dark tea time of the soul to bring in some more Douglas Adams titles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other big picture ideas uh, that you wanted to discuss? Um, no, there is a lot, a lot about the balance uh, that that's interesting, and, and you, we could spend a lot of time on that. And I would love to even revisit this in other times, but just questions about bottling up the darkness, and do we really have to uh, uh, deal with anger? What's do we have to overcome anger? Is one of the questions Comax asking and, and Orla's asking, and and real big stuff. Um, the attachment stuff is always kind of a theme with the Jedi, but I think it flows nicely in some of the other things we've talked about. Awesome. Awesome. I think the only other thing for me is just uh, I really liked that this book was its own book with its own ideas, but I feel like it really continued this uh, big picture High Republic theme of uh, of sort of we are all the Republic in a in a different way. That's a real political statement. Uh, That's an ideology that, uh, you know, uh, Lena So is is trying to get everybody to believe. But obviously, that's a big part of uh, the Jedi belief that everything is connected. Everything is a part of the force. And I thought this one had that real specific it, it, it's we, not me uh, lesson in a couple ways. I think the the point yeah. of the flashback of Orla and Comac being that these two leaders uh, from these worlds that had been fighting forever uh, were able to find a way to to come together and realize how they can work together for the benefit of all i thought uh reese kyber arch lesson which kind of structures the book is so about the the we not me that really simple puzzle in a good way that his master gives him of no no jedi crosses the kyber arch alone and he's like what it's super easy <laughs> yeah. it's basically just a thin branch what's the not a little mm-hmm. branch but it's a thin beam what's the big deal and really beautifully coming to that uh, epiphany of like we are all connected, which means nobody ever does anything alone. Love that. I mean, yeah, I was going to, yeah, glad you brought that up. That was perfect, uh, perfect connection to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's take a quick break and then we'll get into all of the moments uh, that we enjoyed action moments, canon moments, all that stuff. We'll be back in just a moment. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Radio. Radio. 
Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 And we are back to finish our discussion of Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. We talked about some of the big themes. Now we're going to talk about some moments we particularly enjoyed. Uh, we've already shared a lot in our journey through the themes, uh, but I know I have a fun, a couple more fun, insightful moments that I enjoyed. How about you, Ken? What else do you got? Yeah, yeah, same. It's funny. I was trying to think of moments. Uh, we'll get some of that, but also just more, I guess, more philosophies. I won't, I won't go too deep into them. Uh, later on the book, page, page 349, uh, great stuff about uh, now, the late Master Jorah, uh, talking about um, balance, but also says when you cannot achieve balance within yourself, simply lean toward the light and do your best. There's no point in reacting to a lack of calm in a way that makes you even less calm. And by the way, you know, uh, Claudia Gray handles Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and everything about them so well. Uh, I, I love her writing about that kind of stuff. And that's, again, I'm going to, I'm, I'm probably going to put this out. I might put it, can I get this tattoo? No, maybe it's too much. I'll, I'll, I'll paint it, put it on my wall. Really love that. Really took some, uh, some solace in that quote. That was the one that made me kind of just almost yell at the book of like, please tell me more master Jorah. Uh, I needed to hear that on the day I yeah. read that. I needed um, but, to hear that, but, you know? Um, because I, I think that there's something about this book w with what Comac is going through in particular and that quote of how do you it's easy to say, OK, I should always, you know, go to the light. I should always not give in to anger. But this permission to go like some days you're not going to be able to do it all the way. So just yeah. do your best. And it doesn't it doesn't feel like a cop out. It doesn't feel like eh, I got permission to be just a little bit of an asshole today. You know, <laughs> it is so much about that truth of like. You are unbalanced, but you need to keep moving forward. So just do what, whatever little thing you can to lean toward the light. No point in making yourself more upset by being mad at yourself about being upset. Mm. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it just, yeah, it, it just stood out it, it, the Jedi philosophy, but also just um, in, in a book that's asking a lot of tough questions about balance. I still think this kind of came down on the side of, uh, the light being strong and the light as a concept, not sort of the, the light as an order, but uh, something there that's there and, it, and it's always going to be there. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think it's so great that it is uh, a piece of wisdom that, uh, that Jedi are, are clinging to in, in a difficult time because there's so much great stuff in this book and many other Star Wars books about like breathe, center yourself. And like, so that's such a great practical question of like, I might be about to die and I'm really scared and I just can't breathe and center myself right now. What should I do then? <laughs> you know, right. and her basically saying like, just do your best. Don't, don't mm -hmm. get mad at yourself. Uh, I love it. Absolutely great stuff. What else do you have? Uh, one, one particular moment here, uh, going back to page 155. Uh, this is uh, something I think pretty powerful. 
for you and me. Uh, it's laughter as a, I won't say a weapon, but a laughter as a tool to battle the dark side. Uh, and uh, this uh, phrase here, that uh, that made everyone chuckle as Orla had intended. Good. Laughter made people relax and smile. It cast the dark side away and brought them closer to the light. Uh, I love it, not just from a wacky comedian uh, standpoint, but I, I am a big uh, fan of, uh, of, of satire, but sincere satire, not a snarky cynicism, but just uh, let's look at the world. And, and I think you can communicate with comedy. And I think uh, laughter, um, you, you can get the shields down with laughter. And I think you can make bigger points with laughter and it makes people think. And that's why as much as I love, I love silly comedy. I love random things in a kids in the hall sketch or a Monty Python sketch. I love crazy. I love rocks as a co-pilot in space, but I also love things with great meaning and to see it all uh, uh, represented here in, 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 in with Jedi who are notoriously serious and dour at times. There's a lot of comedy in this books and Orla has a lot of moments of, of good humor and little wry comments. And I just loved it. That spoke to me as well. Yeah, I love that she was aware of it. That was such a, a great quote. And I feel that way about comedy, too. Of I, I think back in my own life, you know, I've had the, the privilege of being around a lot of funny people. And the things that have made me the laugh the most is when I just I really need a little bit of that pressure release, you know. And I think mm -hmm. that is, in many ways, the great goal of comedy. And we're in such a weird time for comedy because... Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're in person with people and something weird or stressful is happening and, and somebody makes a joke and, and the target of the joke is to just poke fun at the situation, poke fun at yourselves and relieve that immediate stress that is so needed. And sometimes like social media is the opposite of that. Of like, mm -hmm. yeah, we don't need a million people <laughs> yeah. making the same joke. Uh, we need that one person making that targeted joke in person. You know, it, it's a, it's a weird balance with comedy. It really is. It really is. But I love to see it in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, a couple from me. Uh, this is just like a, a fun flavor moment, uh, which I think Claudia Gray is so good at, even when she's not quoting characters, but she's just in characters' heads. Uh, this is a quote from Jorah early on about uh, pirates. None of them insulted her by even pulling a blaster. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. Jorah is like the really practical one. In Light of the Jedi, there's that conversation about, well, should the Jedi be proactive? And she's like, yes, that's what we're here for. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that that rang very true to me. Um, I think this is I wrote this down because it was a very early geo joke, but it was one that I think unlocked what we're doing here is uh, you can only pronounce his name correctly if you don't have a mouth. <laughs> Just that great circular comedy logic yeah. that lets you know what kind of ride you're, you're in for. Um, loved it. Uh, another one uh, for me, uh, these are more quotes than moments, but I think they, they reflect them. Uh, this is a, a Comac Vitus thought on uh, page 72. Thank the force for problems with simpler solutions. They allowed the illusion that the universe could be controlled, an illusion everyone needed from time to time. <laughs> mm. <There you laughs> that was, uh, you know, not breaking any new ground wisdom wise, but just... It, 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 it so painted a picture of this character who, who knew I'm wrestling with lots of things. And so when there's a simple problem that's just great, we can make that decision. It's something very comforting and empowering about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like, you know, when I've got a lot of real problems during the day, but, but then I do just know what I want for dinner. <laughs> like I yeah. solved that problem. Yeah. Uh, last one for me, it goes to what our, our conversation at the top about the Drenger is how they are 
a little over the top, and that's what I love about them. I loved when they uh, had uh, poisoned, hypnotized uh, Dez into just uh, lashing out, and uh, and poor Reese had to had to fight him uh, while also trying to save him. And the Trenjar yell, "Cut him with the blade that burns! Cook the meat for us!" <laughs> so beautifully over the top. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Uh, any other moments that you wanted to highlight? Uh, no, no, no. I'd just be repeating lessons on balance and comedy, but, uh, yes, many, many in the book. Excellent. Uh, was there anything in the book that you, that you wrestled with that didn't work for you on a, on a personal taste level? I, you know, I really, sometimes I really want to have this answer. I, I think a lot of it was before I, I really trust Claudia Gray as a storyteller. So knowing that some concepts, like I mentioned up top geode or, or the drum gear, like, like knowing that there's some concepts I might yeah, let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of squint and see if you got this right. Not that I'm challenging a talented author like Claudia Gray. I have no business doing that, but it, it all it all kind of worked in the way it was handled. So for for me, I, I'll, I'll focus on that and say no, no, nothing, nothing that really stood out. Uh, if anything, it's like sometimes, yeah, you want to know, you get you thirsty for more storytelling. This book does such a good job of just being in the center, in the dark, like we keep talking about. So the Nile, or a little bit more, like I want to kind of, I can't wait for more storytelling. But that's not the book's fault. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think uh, same with me. I, I I wrestled a little bit with the first half because I there was a lot of threads, a lot of characters, a lot of ideas, and I think I got ahead of myself a little bit of like, okay, but what what's the shape of this story? What kind of story is this? And like I said, that all went away uh, because it just, uh, you know, I, I needed a little Jedi patience. It all locked into focus when they're like, we all got to go back to the station. Mm. Um I also just have this challenge every once in a while with Claudia Gray in that I love uh, some of the characters so much <laughs> that yeah. I'm just like, why Why are we leaving them um, ever? Uh, Master and Apprentice, we talked about that. I really, really love Master and Apprentice. It's it's up mm-hmm. there with my very favorites of the the, the books. Um, but in the Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon stuff is so great that, you know, when we mm-hmm. when we left them, sometimes I was like, I'm not disliking anything. I just want to be back with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah. And I loved Wreath to that that depth. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not a uh, critique. It's a more a compliment of, for me, that's my reading experience of when I love a character so much. I'm like, could we just, uh, what's Wreath thinking about right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about action moments. Uh, the action is always part of Star Wars, whether it's a book or on screen. Well, almost always. Anyway, what were some uh, fun action moments for you? For me, uh, two two I want to highlight there. There's a, there's a lot of great moments and a lot of fighting and 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 Dez and Reith having their lightsaber fight that wasn't you know that that, that, that was painful and, and tension filled for different reasons than just the fight. A lot of a lot of things and there was a lot of non a lot of the tension comes from um, the anticipation of action, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But but when when it all kind of broke out, uh, I tell you what, I really loved uh, Affy going on and fighting the Nile and bringing that thermal detonator and knowing that, oh, crap, I, you know, I brought this, I've never used one, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. And at one point, just kind of her, when her and Leox are are, are escaping or or later, a little bit later in the battle, she sees what the damage actually was. And she's kind of, she acknowledges it, she sees it. And even like, did I do that type of thing? I really liked her taking it. I really like what she was doing. She's a great character. Um, And, and that, that I was drawn to her part of the fight. A lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff with the character of Nan and, and Reith facing off. But that was a great moment for me, too. Um, um, that that one really stood out. And then uh, one moment uh, with uh, Reith pushing, uh, force pushing the pod, the hyperspace pod. Mm. And Claudia ex- 
Gray explains it in a level that is on par with her explaining what it takes to reform yourself as a force ghost, which you got from a, from a certain point of view book with, with Qui-Gon. Yeah. Spectacular. The details, it makes the force just feel so vibrant and so different and, and just growing up knowing, Oh, you just do a force push or, you know, a for, you press X on your controller <laughs> to feel and to feel the weight of it and, and going to why Yoda shrugged with in, inside and, and with all that energy expelled, after removing the X-wing, this you, to, for for Reith to feel the metal and push, and it, you know, there's actual weight to it, and man, it was that was a really good moment. Yeah, I absolutely loved uh, that moment uh, in particular. Uh, for everything you're describing, I think uh, the entire High Republic uh, is doing a really great job of making sure that the Force and Jedi powers are not an X button on a video game. That you feel them, that the different characters perceive them. Uh, a test of courage has the great had the great stuff about like just really going into Vernestra's head of like, like yeah, there we're luminous uh, beings, uh, but we are this crude matter too, and we got to push all this luminous through all this crude. <laughs> and sometimes it, it, you know we feel the the physical. Uh, uh, toll of it uh, and I thought that moment was great I always thought it was great too because I the, the Dranger are these great threat to the Jedi because they are very different but then there are those moments where but the Jedi's great power is the force they're not just lightsabers and I thought mm -hmm. it was so great that Wreath took that step back of like oh I don't have to just hack and slash fight them mm -hmm. I can reach out to the force and just sort of say don't be here anymore bye yeah <laughs> you know I loved it from that perspective mm -hmm. Um, the High Republic's also, for me, doing a great job of uh, of showing, to me, without breaking anything, that different Jedi explore different powers. So I loved Comac Vitus is like, can't fly, but I can levitate myself. And mm -hmm. levitating yourself, it, it's not actually a tasking. Uh, you know, it doesn't drain you that much, but people really pay attention to you when you just float into the air <laughs> and yell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Comac's float and yell high high up there for me um a couple others uh i loved wreath wrestling with the the horror of truly feeling uh using his lightsaber against uh, an actual person and cutting an arm off uh i love that he said it's such a it's such a bookish line instead of a badass line to say uh prosthetic arms are more advanced than prosthetic legs <laughs> so i'm gonna go for your arm uh and you know, I've long been, uh, I, sometimes I say it in a joking way, but I kind of mean it that a little bit of the, the Jedi morality and philosophy is often warning, warning limb, and then hopefully not uh, head. <laughs> yeah. And this was just literally that of Wreath going, I, I, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, I, mm -hmm. I, okay, I got to do the limb. And even with doing that, that poor Wreath was like the feeling, you know, hearing the thump of the limb hitting the floor and really affected by it, that it's not casual. It's I'm really affected by the fact that I, that I, this person gave me no other choice. Yeah, no, there's a lot of great stuff. Uh, again, there's a lot in this book. I, I could, I could almost say you, you revisit of going back to the dark of, of bigger themes. So we don't have a, a 19 hour podcast, but the, him and Des have great conversations about um, Des saying, you know, every couple of years or so when an apprentice gets into trouble for being too aggressive um, and talks about how your response was proportionate to the risk to Nan, a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Uh, we, we, the big things we always hear of Jedi not craving adventure and all that kind of stuff. They, they really, they really go into the weeds so well with High Republic, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got that great follow-up with Orla talking to the, the pirate who had their, their limb hacked off and like, you were going to kidnap that kid. You took that kid's choice away and we tried to give you the choice to not make that choice. <laughs> right. 
and you wouldn't listen. So who made this choice? Like there's some great just like actually talking to the person that had their limb hacked off was great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, two others for me. Um, the the Wookiee baby rescue. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just great bit of action and great bit of, you know, uh, Jedi helping other people. But that the the fact that Reith calls it Wookiee baby lovely wookie baby wookie baby please i could just feel that i know you as a a person who have owned animals that uh not that wookies are animals but the the panic of a young instinctual creature uh doesn't know that you're trying to help it and and climbing and scratching you and uh, i love the wookie biting reese padawan braid off and having it sticking in its mouth it's like a great funny comedy beat and there's a part of me is like is that gonna be his jedi trial or the jedi gonna be like you lost your braid the Wookiee baby is the will of the force. You're a Jedi now. I thought that too. Uh, and I love, yeah, great. Just like, oh, I have to grow that again. <laughs> More stuff I got to do. Uh, and the last big action moment for me, you just have to say it, is the the face slam into Geode. It was just yes. so effective. Good old Geode. When you realize that's what happening, uh, being rescued by smashing face first into a rock is a beautiful yeah. thing. Uh, we're going to move on to some canon moments, uh, connections to different ideas. Um, I'll just uh, run through some of them and we can pick which ones we want to talk about. Uh, I just l- love this image of the silvery scaffolds on the Coruscant buildings. Another great little detail that they're doing in the High Republic to be like a lot of the stuff that you know from Star Wars is there, but it's not. It's still 200 years before. And this idea that some of the buildings are still under construction um, yeah. it's a great just visual uh, there's a lot in this book that is uh, the Claudia Gray enjoying the Claudia Gravers. <laughs> yes. uh, you got the Port in a Storm drink and the Tonneray wine, which is uh, quite good at Galaxy's Edge, the Tonneray. Um, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about uh, having uh, things from uh, an author's work uh, pop up in, in new uh, books by the author? I, I think it's it's very fun. I think that she uses it pretty well. They, uh, we got uh, Gatalanta again, right? Uh, got a study uh re-studies uh some of their uh, what meditation or something like that I yeah remember, but um that yeah no i think i think when done uh, in this kind of way it's fun to have it uh have it uh, be there be there for you if you see it yeah yeah and it, it is a way to just sort of draw a connection you know uh if you want to um i really liked uh when uh wreath was being kind of quizzed about what the jedi were uh, mm-hmm. by Affy, the whole two-sentence thing, but wondering if you should go into Jorah's whole speech about the difference between celibacy of the body and true purity of the heart. Right. Uh, that, to me, is a great line, but it's also just keeping in canon that this is a discussion uh, among Jedi at, in this period in particular of how do you make that differentiation between, eh, it's fine to explore a little bit, but the attachment is the problem. Yeah, it doesn't one of the chapters actually end with like, so like, what, do you have sex or not? Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's this one. And he's like, should I go into the whole speech? Uh, Love it. Uh, The uh, Amaxine, Amaxine Warrior Station, obviously, uh, you know, I wrote it down because I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, the book uh, when we first got there. Uh, And and of course, that connection that it is the one from uh, the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book uh, but i also thought it was an interesting bit of canon that ultimately what the station was from the maxine warriors perspective uh was a way to scout ahead and reach far places of the galaxy so it kind of connected them to what the nile is doing with the paths right very similar yeah yeah and and then it tied all these villain goals to our heroes goals which is to uh reach out to the rest of the galaxy our heroes want to reach out to hopefully uh bring people together uh, and the villains are like, well, what can I take? 
Yep. Yep. At the, but all at the same intersection there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, scrolling down here. Uh, so the, the different kind of force artifacts on page 187, uh, listing the three, uh, the kind that can contain memories or personalities of force users, uh, kinds that can enhance force connection and kinds that can hinder or confound the force. Uh, did you like hearing about the, the kind of the specificity of that from, you know, a, a, a Jedi like Comac? Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, because he's, uh, uh, sorry, I'm recording my phone. I, I'm getting text people. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> You're a popular guy. Ken, I'm sorry. Test spray coming. Um, yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, I, I like everything about, I don't think of what's the comic with the, uh, the mask of moment. Is that the, that's the Vader one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like all I like all of the connections there. Um, I apologize that text distracted me, Joseph. I'm so sorry. I understand. <laughs> Just do your best to lean into the light. There you go. I'm trying to. I like Comac. He's nice. <laughs> uh, let Let me let you uh, deal with your your text if you need to, and uh, and I will ramble to both you and the listeners uh, about no, we're, this. We're, we're we're good now. We're good. We're totally good now. There. So uh, I'm going to put on a Sith mask and connect to the darkness. Nice, nice. Uh, I think uh, part of the reason I wanted to write this down and talk about it a little bit is the, uh, I I really love the Force lore stuff. I think they're doing such a good job in the High Republic era of having a little bit more definition to the way certain Force things can be while still always reinforcing with the characters that like, well, we're aware of this, but it's the Force. So there could be other things we don't know about. So it's not getting down to that point of like, here is the list. Here are the ways that the Force can be found in artifacts, period. And that's it. You know, this is presented so well of like, it can contain memories or personalities. It's not a science. Uh, they can kind of enhance Force connection. That, you know, goes all the way back to a splinter of the mind's eye. Uh, yeah. You know, so that was fun to see canon. that's going kind of all the way back to the original uh, EU. And then the hinder or confound the force was great to hear about because of like, you know, I'm, I've never been a fan of the Yel Samari or however uh, yeah, they uh, choose to say that just the, mm-hmm. the force bubble. But I like the idea because I think all natural things are a part of the force. I love that. But I like the idea of something that can hinder or confound the force. You know, mm-hmm. that to me made me think of like, uh, is there, are there devices that make you, uh, just way too unfocused to center yourself or, you know, it connects a little bit to um, the end of light of the Jedi where uh, there is a realization that the best way to torture a Jedi is to surround them with other people's pain. You know, yeah, is yeah. there a device like that? I, I love that idea. Cause it, cause it, it, it's not, a, it's not a tool. It's not an X button that you're pressing or anything like that. It's, it is something real. It's something emotional. Uh, and I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't negate the force, it frustrates it. That's great, because that's a thing that happens in nature. (laughs) Uh, And then, obviously, the big uh, part of the story about the force bind of the idols, uh, and then we eventually learn that this was performed by the Sith against the Drenger. So, two questions here, Ken. The the force binding of the idols and the way it's described, that's really uh, very much, like, to me, like, the Jedi cast a spell. They do some sorcery. It's not described that way, but mm-hmm. in comparing it to other kind of pop culture, it isn't like, you know, levitation or a specific ability. It's like recharging the energy of the force itself and, and that it's not even visual, but they're trying to see it in a visual way so they can even understand what they're doing. How did you feel about that? Was that, was that uh, uh, too spell like for you? 
No, because it opens up the idea of of, of very diff- different ways to use a force, and was there things, um, you know, used in the past that aren't used now, and why? Or do you want to question why? Or maybe there's a good reason why. And I love kind of uh, as it's tied. We talk about a lot of history in this book, uh, tied to you know, we get thousands of years of Jedi history. Uh, I love that idea. There might have been things a little differently. Yeah, yeah, and and in particular, interacting with these idols, and yeah, mm-hmm. I love the way it was described. I don't mind it being for myself a little. I don't want it to be like we have learned these magic words, except for the Night Sisters. That's fine with me because yeah. <laughs> that's kind of their thing. Uh, but I liked that it, all, everything is possible through the Force, and it, sometimes it means literally lifting a physical object, and sometimes it means changing the actual energy that surrounds something. Yeah. Uh, I loved hearing about the Sith Shrine under the Jedi Ooh, yeah. Temple. Uh, that is, of course, places in canon. I believe Tarkin has a great little scene with I, Palpatine in there. I think that's essentially like the first era in the modern canon, the canon at least, that 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 we really get to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's. Uh, it, it was reading up when the Clone Wars season seven was coming out. I think it's one of the great lost arcs that they were going to deal with that a little bit more directly. Yes in the clone wars uh so it's obviously clearly an idea that's you know been a part of you know uh, lucas era star wars it's really at the the heart uh, i think of of uh, jedi and sith philosophy and star wars philosophy so it was really cool to see how that definitely some of the jedi are absolutely aware of it and they use it yeah love that uh I also liked just that little bit of uh, info about the past of during the Sith Empire, Sith and Jedi fought for control around virgences. I keep yeah. uh, hoping and thinking that that would be a good story to tell, you know, on that, on that, you're looking for a story that's uh, real big on the screen, uh, Jedi, Sith Wars, Sith Empire, fighting over control of the tree on Dagobah. Yeah, that that sounds good to me. I love the idea of uh, a Sith Empire and, and, and not the re- Hash those kind of a rebellion against the empire, but yeah, that'd be interesting with the Jedi and the underdogs and that kind of situation uh, versus what we're dealing with now in the High Republic and the prequel era. That'd be great. Yeah, love uh, I loved that we had a Lerman Jedi. Gick to Nelmo was down yeah. in the Sith shrine. <laughs> yep. I love those cranky Lerman from uh, uh, from the Clone Wars. So it's great right. to see one as a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Um, Affy eats some Baja. Ice treats at what sounds like Dex's diner. How'd you feel about that? I, I even reread it again. Just to be like, does Dex show up? No, maybe he bought this. I don't know how old Dex is. I was going to look that up, but I didn't. Uh, loved it. Little callback. And you and I are pretty fond of Dex in his diner. So this is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, it's a little uh, cheeky, but in a good way of, uh, yeah. I think, Claudia Gray responding to the fact that it it was you know, two fifties uh, diner for some people, I think had a good uh, tongue in cheek in the way it was written. Like yeah. odd place, red final seats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one line uh, opened up, uh, I think a, a good line of discussion that we can have a longer discussion about sometime, but Comac, when they were hiring the vessel to take them back was saying, uh, I can cover it with my personal stipend. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. how'd you take that? Does, uh, does Comac uh, have a job on the side? Is he, uh, is he uh, teaching yoga somewhere? <laughs> Or did you take that as Jedi have personal stipends? Uh, look, Mr. Bond, here's your credit card. Uh, you're gonna, you're got a reservation. You know, it's very logistical, non-adventurous things, but it's taken care of. I, you know, I think there's some uh, good conversation to be had about where the Jedi get their money. I think it's kind of, uh, it's sometimes uh, it's super realistic. I don't worry about it as much, but I also wonder. So I loved hearing that uh, I got the Jedi, I got a Jedi card. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah, I've been I've been staving up my uh, my personal stipend. Yeah, I, I I both look forward to and dread the book Finances of the Jedi that finally really digs into yeah. exactly uh, how and where their money comes from. Uh, but I, it was fun to hear that just acknowledgement of it. Uh, I, I like noting all the different uh, terms for bathrooms that pop up in Star Wars. This was an evactu book, not a refresher book. Fun, yeah. good to know. Uh, fun. One other fun detail. Uh, the Jedi uh, never have a reason to duel. I really liked uh, reinforcing that. Uh, but they all like the training class. It's the cool mm. one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fight. Uh, and then the last two for me. Uh, great moment of having Orla uh, slow a blaster bolt. That was great to kind of oh, back cool. to. She didn't stop it all the way like Kylo Ren, but she did slow it. Slow it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, finally, the the brush vow, which is also from the Vader comic, that uh, that was cool uh, to see. That's that's how Des was going to find his way forward is by taking a long break and meditating on on what he'd done and what he'd become. Yeah, uh, yeah. Curious about that. Curious to see if we ever hear from Des again or see what he learns in that brush vow. Yeah, I just really like that this brash vow has become this clear canon thing because it is fun to debate and interpret all the wonderful Jedi we know from the Skywalker uh, saga era, how much they perceived that that is a little bit what they were doing is taking yeah. a break to recenter. Uh, so I'm sure there are many other little canon details. I don't write down every recognizable species and all that. Uh, but there's just uh, so much connective okay. tissue that's fun to celebrate. Let's talk like you just were about the hopes for the future of these yeah. characters. Which characters are you most interested in following? You know, we got Wreath uh, in, in Comac uh, now uh, being master in Padawan. Uh, they're going to have some frontier adventures. Orla's going off way seeking, which we haven't even really talked about the way seeking. Yeah. Uh, then we got, you know, the shipping adventures of Leox, Geode, and Affy. Uh, yeah. Scoville binds prison time. Nan's Nile ascendancy. There's so many threads to pick up on. What are you excited about? I, there's a lot. We spent a lot of time on Geode be, uh, for what he means, but I, I, Leox, Geode, and Affy. Affy's a great character, and Affy, what she has to deal with, with uh, loss of real parents, but then this found family, there's something big in Star Wars, and her found mother uh, is the one that uh, might have been responsible in some darkness there, and, and I think Affy's, uh, I loved her in the fight. I love what she learned. I love what she represented, uh, kind of looking at the Jedi, these weird space wizards, and, and she's been changed, and, and she's now the captain of, uh, of the vessel, and I think you could spin that off any way you want. Uh, comic series, anything. Geo's a star, but I think Affy is a leader. And I I'm, I'm really want to see where they can take her. Nan's Nihil Ascendancy is interesting. I want to see her show back up. And and um, maybe if one thing, the book just cut it. We didn't have time. The book didn't have time to, you know, follow that thread too much past the big revelation, I felt. And I, I want to see more of her. Yeah, absolutely. I think Nan can be a great way to uh, continue to humanize the Nile, to see them from, you know, a, a different uh, yeah. perspective. And if she pops up in other stories, uh, is this person who would just truly join them because, hey, everything else is awful and uh, they're giving me yeah. a path forward. They gave my family a path forward. I believe in them. Uh, I hate these Jedi. Uh, but, you know, now she's ascended to this higher level, possibly. Uh, mm -hmm. because she provided this great information. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, um, totally with you on Affy. I think uh, we didn't discuss it a ton, but I do really like the story that she uh, is wrestling with her parents. But in particular, that she's also this somebody who is not sure what to make of the Jedi and the Republic. And I like yeah. that she has such a success story of she passes through her dark trial and she turns uh, her adoptive mother in. And it has that bit of uh, nihilism of like, yeah, but the Republic's probably not going to do anything. And then the holy crap! Within like seconds, 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's arrested. They're sorting things out, and it's a it's subtle, but it's another great picture of when we say uh, this is the High Republic. That means things like justice, yeah, are moving fast. They're not being ground okay. to a, a, a stop like they are in the Phantom Menace. A, a, a great connection. Great way to look at it. I love that uh, talk on it. Yeah, no, uh, pretty proud. Again, go, her just seeing the way she's seen the world. Or she's an entry point character in a lot of ways um, for us in the story, looking around, seeing the Jedi and all that kind of stuff. But it re- really love where that ended. And and Leox just kind of being, um, even when he r- wrestles with calling her little bit, isn't a nickname that really applies. And not anything, but it is. He's such a warm hearted, uh, good hearted character. So, yeah, I, I really love that idea seeing where they go. Yeah. Um, I, of course, want more with uh, Reith and Comac. I, 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 uh, since they are on Starlight Beacon, they're in the frontier, I, I would assume they're going to pop up again. That has been, I think, for me, the most uh, interesting, one of the most interesting parts of the High Republic of not knowing that, oh, Claudia Gray is writing the Wreath series and Wreath Part 2 will be out next, like of just kind of not knowing where these characters will pop up again and, and who's going to write them and will they be a main character again or will they just be a background character? That stuff is yeah. really interesting to be in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, final thing for me is uh, we didn't get a chance to talk a ton about the Wayseeker idea, but I love that of this idea of you can go to the Jedi Council and say, I don't want to leave the Order, but I really need some time to pursue the Force just for me and do the mission that I need to do. I love that one of the examples was I feel really compelled to this conflict on this planet and I really want to help these people who are being oppressed. I, that's what I want to do. Um, and I love uh, that feeling of Orla being like, I got a ship. I'm going to go follow my intuition. I'm going to find out who I need to be. And there's a part of me that just wants this uh, really, really fast um, uh, uh, one person story uh, about yeah. what Orla does on her adventure one-off so the other thing that i want to talk about about what might be coming next out of this story is there was this a uh, great implication in the 25 years ago flashback that implied the huts want to control the territory mm-hmm. that now includes the starlight beacon uh, by those two planets that were fighting uh, are you intrigued by that do you want to see the huts rise i'm so glad you brought this up because i, I read that i was like well we got an adventure there we got a story and the high republic's got it's got a ways to go and uh, there's got to be some other things that uh, rise up to face the Jedi. Not that the Nile and the Drangir aren't enough. <laughs> Drangir, the Drangis, um, and the Huts rising to some sort of power uh, is pretty intriguing to me. We'll see if they deal with that. I was intrigued by that. Yeah, I keep looking for not a uh, explain it all, tie it all together, but I'm really intrigued by the moments in the High Republic that might tie directly to uh, the fall of the Jedi era, the prequel era. And that it seems to me like maybe there is a desire to wrestle with this question of like, why do the Republic so accept like, yeah, Tatooine, that's hut space. Yeah. The huts do what they want, including slavery. Like, right. right. Are they going to really, is it going to be that the Jedi have suffered through the Nile and the Drenger that, or, or, you know, a lot of what they did out here in the outer rim has good intentions, but unwanted consequences that kind of, shame them back and and make them pull back and in that vacuum where the jedi aren't willing to be in the outer rim or the republic isn't willing to be on the outer rim that's what allows is allows the huts to take over yeah yeah Ooh. it's it's it's, it's it, for you to connect to some stuff going on with phantom menace is real smart play why it's not just me throwaway that they could really deal with that thematically 
Yeah, and it could be. I love the way it's phrased. Like, when will now that we've uh, manipulated the, all these situations to get rid of this other competing uh, crime organization, uh, we'll move in. You know, and yep. we'll we'll yeah. see how many years it takes. So it really made me le- left me feeling like this is maybe a threat that is going to be in this High Republic story, or maybe it's just going to be kind of a little button in the background. Uh, all right. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on in this uh, great book? Because obviously we could do hours and hours on yeah. this book. No, and I, I look at diving into Nan's story with Hag. Her met that's another thing of questioning your teachers and mentors, but maybe kind of going, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and and we'll see where that goes. Uh, this this book, um, uh, typical with a good Claudia Gray story, just raises some tough questions, raises some some great ph- philosophical debates about Jedi and which is what the high Republic Eric keeps doing. So really love this adventure. Really love what was, uh, this was, uh, putting out there and, uh, also pretty darn funny. Yeah. It's a funny book, uh, a deep book, a great adventure book, a great development of the high Republic book, all those things. And, uh, I'm sure that we will touch on moments from this book. I, I sense that this is the kind of book where it has specific ideas, uh, that are really going to latch onto our brains, Ken, and I'm sure we they will be coming up in future episodes, and obviously there'll be ramifications, I would imagine, in the rest of the High Republic. I think, for me, my sort of final statement on this book is, obviously we broke down some of the big uh, themes, we broke down some of the canon connections and the characters we loved, and I think that we can be like Wreath, I can be like Wreath, and I can uh, write an essay uh, about this book. Uh, but I also love that this book felt very intuitive i just felt this book i felt the mood of it i felt this truth uh that we all have dark things that we need to wrestle with and and that's okay and we can find a way to wrestle through the darkness i felt that and i love and i'm I'm really trying to remember you know we get to have so much time talking about uh stories talking about star wars uh that we can think about stories but we can also just feel stories and i loved feeling this story um, right there with you. I think I watched Star Wars so hard first, uh, and 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 this spoke to me on that level. And again, you're so right to highlight when they gotta go back to the island. That's where some real big themes locked in, and, and love that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's have a fun question to wrap up. Ken, would you rather be friends with a sentient rock or yeah. a sentient plant? This is funny because. Um, so, so Grace is a definite green thumb. We got a lot of plants in the house, and I love plants. I love uh, them growing. I, you know, I love Ents and Lord of the Rings. They're not actually trees, but uh, I love uh, the forest as life. I'm there for all of that. But I got to tell you, I got to hang out with Geode. I'll, t- I'll go with a rock. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat on this one. I'm gonna try to find balance. Uh, I think a uh, rock is is comfort, uh, and a plant is adventure. So I want to be friends with a rock like Geode, but come to recognize that a plant is growing inside them and those little, those little weeds are starting to pop out. <laughs> Ken, would you like to tell people where they can find us? Would love to. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're, ava- we're available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We're also uh, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can support us directly there. You can follow me at Cadnapsuck or go to my website, cadnapsuck.com or to uh, the new spot I'm working on, uh, the GPA.fun. 
Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, uh, comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, uh, where my wife and I had a great discussion about WandaVision. If you're interested in that, go check that out. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Geode, at least I think, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.